we're going to talk about Peter's mandate. I really feel like this is the, this is the message that the Lord wants us to have today. So turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew, the 16th chapter. And we're going to start reading at verse number 13. Now I'm reading from the King James version of the scripture. Yours may read a little bit different than, than this. But I'm reading from the, the, uh, the old King James. And it says, when Jesus came to the coasts and the... Uh, the New King James says to the regions, and, and that's probably a better translation of this particular word because it's the region or the area. When Jesus came into the coasts of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, whom do men say that I the son of man am? And they said, some say that thou art John the Baptist and some Elias and others Aramaeus or one of the prophets. And he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. I don't know about you, but my heroes are from the Bible. They always have been. Now, don't misunderstand me. I don't mean that I never had the ordinary heroes of little boys. Okay? Let me, let me give you an example. Uh, when I was in kindergarten, now... I know today some of the some of the schools have all day kindergartens, but when when I was a boy, it was half day kindergarten, and there was morning kindergarten and afternoon kindergarten, and and I I attended the afternoon sessions of kindergarten. Okay, and so on this particular day, my friends and I were playing Superman. And, and that was back in the times of black and white Superman. All right? And, uh, but this particular day, we were all gathered at my house, and we had our capes, which was nothing but a towel, pinned around our, our neck. And we were jumping off of the, the front porch of, of the house where uh, my family lived. And on this particular occasion, I... Failed to, I took my role as Superman too seriously and I failed to check my fall and I landed on my nose and skinned my nose and my mouth and I was a bloody mess and it was picture day. 
at school. And nothing mother could do made those pictures any better than to show my skinned nose and my skinned mouth. However, I've always loved the Word of God, and I've found my favorite heroes in the pages of Scripture. Now, in the Old Testament, I've... I've always loved Elijah. Elijah's one of my favorites. The boldness of this prophet as he stands toe-to-toe with the king of, of Israel and he, and he says to him, there's not going to be any rain. And it didn't seem to make any difference that the king could have taken his life, but Elijah stood there. Or on the Mount of Carmel where he encountered the prophets of Baal, and he never backed down. He never backed down. In the New Testament, I've always been challenged by the Apostle Paul, who was so articulate in his message on Mars Hill addressing the superstitious Athenians, or whose powerful pen gave voice to the struggles of the New Testament church and gave them clarity in the things that they should should build their, their lives and their foundations on. You see, Paul's example always stands heroically before any child of God that, that wants to excel in his Christian experience. And, and Paul, Paul has always been one of my heroes, one of the examples of my life. But on the other hand, I probably identify more with Peter. You know, I've said to Peter or to people before that Peter was one of those guys that that always had hoof and mouth disease. It seemed like the only reason he opened his mouth was to change feet because he he was always putting his foot in his mouth. And 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 I identify with that. But on this particular day that Jesus and the 12 were in this particular occasion and Jesus said to them, who do men say that I am? And they said, oh, well, there's some of them say you're John the Baptist and, or you're one of the prophets. But Jesus said, who do you say that I am? And Peter seemed to imply, you know, we've thought about this. We've talked about this. And we've come to the conclusion that you are the Christ. You know, that was one of those times when they had thought it through. Peter had thought it through. And he said, you're the Christ. The son of the living God. Now this particular incident took place on Mount Hermon. And Janice and I have visited that location, and we uh, we were there, and it's it's one of the most beautiful places that we have ever visited in in our opportunities to travel in several places around the world, and to stand there on this particular place, there was a there was a cave at the time of Jesus. There was a cave opening, and out of that cave flowed the source of the river Jordan. And it, it, was a, it was a place where 
idolatrous worship took place. And at that cave, it was called the gate of hell. The gate of hell. And so when Jesus said to them, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven, and upon this rock I'm going to build my church, and the gate of hell will not prevail against it, it was very evident to them what Jesus was talking about when he talked about the gates of hell on that particular occasion. But you see, as we look at Peter on this particular occasion, it's very obvious that Jesus is not seeing Peter for who he is, but he's seeing him for who he can be if he follows the mandate of God in his life. So our question today is, what was the mandate in Peter's life? Recently, I have uh, been reading in the Gospel of John. I've, I've com completed that in my personal devotions now, but, but not too long ago I was reading there and and I came across something that, that kind of sparked my, my mind to, to say, this is, this is God's mandate to Peter. This is what he was saying to Peter. As I was looking at these particular things, I thought, what was the very first thing that Jesus specifically said to Peter? Now, if you think about it, most of you that have been Christians for very long, you'll remember that the very first thing that the scripture records that Jesus said to Peter was to him, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And if you look at the gospel of John, the very last thing that Jesus says to Peter is, follow me, follow me. So the mandate of God to Peter was, follow me. Now I want to pursue this in three different areas. First of all, I want to talk about Peter's call. Secondly, I want to talk about Peter's cross. And thirdly, I want to talk about Peter's correction. So let's, let's look first of all at Peter's call in Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. In Peter's call, what we see is that Jesus is saying to him, follow me in mission. He was saying to Peter, there's a work to be done in the kingdom of God, and I am assigning you a role in this work. Follow me in mission. Now, I like that Jesus talked about fishing. Most of you have known me now for quite a number of years, and you know that one of the favorite things that I love to do is, is fish. I'm not really very good at it, but I sure like trying, and I, I enjoy fishing. 
But I want you to realize that in this particular passage of Scripture, even though fishing is mentioned, fishing is really not the emphasis. What Jesus is doing is focusing on what Peter can do, and he's saying, if you will follow me, I will take your abilities and your strengths, and I will adapt those to be used in the kingdom of God, and you'll be able to reach men through the things that you can do. You see, the question here really is not, can you fish or not? The question is, what do you do? What do you do? If, uh, if you are a teacher today, Jesus, in his call to you, could say, follow me and I'll show you how to instruct others in the truths of the kingdom of God. If, if you're a builder here, and, and in this congregation there are some people who, who build, you're good at building. If you're a builder, Jesus could say, follow me and I'll show you how to build up the lives of broken people. If you're a musician, and we have some great musicians in this congregation this morning. If you're a musician, Jesus could say, follow me, and I will use you to share the most beautiful melody that anyone has ever heard. You see, it's not the fact that they were fishermen. Or it isn't the fact that maybe you're a teacher. Or that maybe you're a builder. Or that maybe you're a musician. That isn't it at all. What Jesus is saying is that all of us have different gifts. And if you will yield your life to me, I will take your gifts, I will take your abilities, and I will use those to build the kingdom of God. We're not all the same. We're not all the same. Our gifts are not the same. The, the abilities that we have are not the same. But if we will follow Jesus, follow him, he will take what we are and use those for the cause of the kingdom. That's what it's all about. That was what the call was all about. Yield your abilities. Yield your strengths to me. And when you do that, I will use it to build up the kingdom of God. So the first thing is Peter's call. The second thing is Peter's cross. Look at Mark chapter 8 and verse number 34. Mark 8, 34. And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples. Now it doesn't say Peter here. But he called his, the people and his disciples. And so Peter was part of that group. Peter was part of that group. And he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. In the first thing that we looked at, Peter's call, it was follow me in mission. Here Jesus is saying follow me in sacrifice. The work of the Lord in our lives, if we're going to follow him, always involves self-denial. And we will always deny ourselves to become the best that we can be for the kingdom of God. Though the scriptures do not record it, we know that the cross figured prominently in the life of Peter. Not only through the death of Jesus, but, but tradition tells us, scripture doesn't tell us this, but tradition tells us that 
Peter was also crucified, and when it came time for his crucifixion, he said to those who were going to crucify him, I am not worthy to die as my master did. Crucify me upside down. And tradition tells us that in the form of an X, that they, they nailed the feet of Jesus, or the feet of Peter here, and they nailed the hands of Peter here, and he hung in the form of an X, and he died crucified upside down. Apocryphal writings tell us that Peter was fleeing the city of Rome. And as he was headed outside of the city, near the city gates, he, he met the risen Christ coming into the city of Rome. And he said to Jesus, where are you going? And he said, I'm going back into the city to be crucified all over again. From that particular encounter, the apocryphal writings say that Peter gained courage and he turned around and instead of leaving Rome, he turned around and he went back into the city and he began to minister until finally he was captured and he was martyred. You see, in this follow me, Jesus was saying to Peter and to all believers, there is sacrifice, there is a burden to carry. And as you, as you work for the cause of the kingdom of God, there is a burden to carry. There is an old legend about a man that was carrying his cross. Every day he picked up his cross. And the cross became so heavy and so burdensome to his life that he decided this cross is heavier than I can carry. It's more than I can bear. And so he went to the keeper of crosses. And he said to the keeper of crosses, this cross is too heavy. I, I can't handle, I can't manage this, this particular cross. Let me pick out another one. And there was a huge pile of crosses here in front of the keeper of crosses. And he, the, this man, this keeper of crosses said to this particular fellow, just throw your cross on the pile and climb up there and Pick out the one that's best for you. And so this man just tossed his cross on the, on the pile and he climbed up there and he began to look through crosses and try them on and this one was too heavy and that one was too rough and, and, and another was just more than he could manage. It was bigger than he could manage and finally he found a cross and he, and he tried it on and he hefted it and he, he, he wrestled with it a little bit and he said, this is the cross. This is the one that I can manage. And as he began his walk through life carrying the cross that he said he could manage, he looked at it very closely and he came to realize that it was the very cross that he had put on the pile in the first place. You see, the Lord knows what we can carry. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. There hath no verse number 13, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. You see, God knows what we can bear. 
God knows the amount of load that we can carry and the, the struggle that we can deal with. And he won't put more on us than we are able to bear. And so here we find that the first follow me was Peter's call. The second follow me was Peter's cross and, and his call to, uh, to submit to the, the sacrifice and the burden. Thirdly, let's look at Peter's correction. Look at John chapter 21, and, and I'm going to excerpt some, some phrases, some thoughts from verses 20 through 22. I'm not going to read it all, but I, I want to share with you what is really important here. John 21, verses 20 through 22. Then Peter, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved. And we know that that was, that was John, the disciple that... John never mentions himself in, in the gospel other than in the list of the apostles. But as he is referred to him, he never refers to him, himself as John, but he, he calls himself the, the disciple that Jesus loved. And he seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved and saith to Jesus, Lord, what shall this man do? And Jesus saith unto him, if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. In this particular Time. In this particular follow me, Jesus is saying to Peter, follow me in obedience. May I tell you this morning that the highest form of godly living is obeying the will of God in your life. The highest form of godly living. John 21 sets a, a scenario for us to, to get to this particular place in the scripture. The first thing that we see is that Peter is gathered with some of the other apostles and he says to them, I'm going fishing. Now, it wasn't the fact that, you know, it's a nice day. Let's get out and catch some fish. That wasn't the implication of the scripture at all. The implication of the words that Peter used is, I'm going back to my old life. I'm going back to what I'm good at. I'm going back to do what I know I can do. Now, some of you may have never experienced anything just like that, but for several years, the Lord called me out of full-time ministry to work uh, in, in another field, and, and I struggled in that field. I've never been good at mathematics, and I had to deal with a lot of mathematics in that particular field that I was in. And once in a while, Pastor Brooks or other pastors would call me and say, hey, come preach for me. And, and I'd kind of breathe easier and I'd say, I can do that. I, I don't have to struggle so much. I can, I can do that. And so I'd, I'd enjoy preaching to this congregation or other congregations. But what Peter was saying, I'm going to go do what I can do. I can fish I know I can do that. And so they went out and they fished all night. And when Jesus came to them walking on the, the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he called out to them there on the water, have, have you any meat? Have you caught any fish? And Peter and his friends called back, no. You know, he even failed at what he thought he could do. If it's not in the will of God, we'll even fail at what we think we can do. Come on. 
If it's not in the will of God, we're going to fail. We're going to fail. And Jesus said to him, well, just take your nets and put them over on the right side of the boat. And one preacher said, just how wide can a boat be? In fact, if you read closely in, in that particular passage of Scripture, when the boat finally came to shore, the Scripture says they came in the little boat. I was just reading it again this morning. They came in a little boat. How wide can a boat be? And Jesus said, well, take the Take the nets that are on the left and put them over on the right side. And can't you hear Peter grumble to himself, who is this guy? That Who does he think he is? We know how to fish. And, and if we just move the nets, but they moved them over. And the scripture says that they were filled with 153 large fish. And John, the disciple that Jesus loved, said, to those who he was with, it's the Lord. It's the Lord. And Peter pulled his overcoat around him and he jumped in the water and he went to Jesus. And when he got there and the others came with the, the catch and Peter, the, the scripture says that Peter went back and he helped him pull the net onto the onto the shore of these 153 large fish and he, he helped them pull it up on the shore and, and Jesus said to them, come and dine. Come have some breakfast. And they, when they got there, they found a, a fire of coals and fish and bread on the fire and Jesus said, sit down here. Let's have something to eat. Now, I don't know how you see this picture but here's what I see. I see that, that Peter was kind of sitting off to himself. He was probably still very embarrassed because they knew, he knew that he had failed the Lord. And here they are in the presence of the Lord again. And he was sitting to himself. I don't think that Jesus made a public spectacle of Jesus in this particular confrontation. So Jesus moved to where Peter was and he sat down beside him and he looked him in the eye and he said, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, Lord, I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. And he said to him a second time, Peter, can't you just see the, the penetrating eyes of Jesus look into the face of Peter? And he said, Peter, do you, do you love me? And Peter said, Lord, I do love you. I do love you. And Scripture says that Jesus said a third time, Peter, do you love me? And Peter was grieved in his spirit. What's happening here is he denied him three times, and Jesus said, okay, let's three different times, let's correct this situation. Three different times, let's let you speak affirmatively for me. And he said, Peter, do you love me? The third time, and, and Peter was grieved in his spirit and said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I failed you. And you know that I could fail you again, but Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. You know I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. 
Now, I can see Peter kind of wiggle and squirm, and, and, he, and he looked around, and there was John. And he said, let's take some of the heat off in his own mind. Let's take some of the heat off. What, what's John going to do? And what Jesus said to him was, Peter, that's none of your business. My will for John is between me and John. My will for him is between me and him. It's none of your business. You follow me. Obey and follow me. I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life when I squirmed under the will of God and I, I went, well, so-and-so ought to be doing this. He ought to be doing this or she ought to be doing that. And in my spirit, the Lord says, it's none of your business. That's between me and them. It's none of your business. You follow me. When I was a boy, we used to sing a song that was titled, Follow Me. I traveled down a lonely road and no one seemed to care. The burden on my weary back had bowed me to despair. I often complained to Jesus how folks were treating me, and then I heard him say so tenderly. My feet were all so weary upon the Calvary road. The cross became so heavy, I fell beneath the load. Be faithful, weary pilgrim, the morning I can see. Just lift your cross and follow close to me. I work so hard for Jesus, I often boast and say, I've sacrificed a lot of things to walk this narrow way. I'm worth a lot to thee. And then I hear him say so gently to me, I left the throne of glory and counted it but loss. My hands were nailed in anger upon a cruel cross. But now we'll make the journey with your hands safe in mine, so lift your cross and follow close to me. Oh, Jesus, if I die upon a foreign field someday, t'would be no more than love demands. No less could I repay. No greater love hath mortal man than for a friend to die. These are the words he gently spoke to me. If just a cup of water I place within your hand, then just a cup of water is all that I demand. But if by death to living they can thy glory see, I'll take my cross and follow close to thee. Let me give you some takeaways this morning. First of all, whatever your job, whatever your gifts, there's a place in the work of the kingdom of God for you. I've pastored people that say, I can't do anything. Well, you do something. You make a living. You take care of a home. You go to school. You make the grades. You do something. Somewhere there's some ability in your life because the Lord gave every one of us gifts, abilities. And whatever you do, if you'll yield it to him, he'll take it and use it for his glory. 
Secondly, the weight of burdens is normal in the work of God. Our tendency, our desire is that we don't want to struggle. We don't want things to be hard. We don't want things to be difficult. But the weight of burdens is normal in the kingdom of God. Galatians chapter 6 said, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we'll reap if we faint not. The third takeaway is obedience to God's will is the highest form, the highest action of godliness. 1 Samuel chapter 15 said, And Samuel said, Hath the Lord great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. Obedience is the highest action in the kingdom of God. I don't care who you are. In one way or another, this mandate to Peter is God's mandate to you. I don't care who you are. The Lord is saying in his call to you, The Lord is saying in the burden that you carry. The Lord is saying in his desire for your obedience. He is saying to you, follow me.